Hello, and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're doing a virtual legality, so it's not a Hangouts and Headlines. We're not going to have a Hangouts portion of the video here before we talk about what we're going to talk about today. So if you're not familiar with that format, we do questions and comments at the end of a video like this. And I do have a title card ready for that entirely, so you don't have to worry about your your super chats or your comments being missed, hopefully, provided I remember to get to them. Um, and if you're interested in why I'm wearing a Michigan hat today, well, you know the reason. Number three, Michigan beats number two, Ohio State, 30-24 to 24 this past Saturday for the third straight win in the rivalry. Despite all the stuff we covered on Wild Stallions and Signgate and everything else, Michigan still went out there without its head coach and beat the Ohio State Buckeyes. I apologize any Buckeyes in the chat, but it did happen. And you can hold my feet to the fire if when Michigan next loses to Ohio State, whenever that might be, I don't bring up that particular result in the next video. So I will try to keep honest about that, but I am very happy for my Michigan Wolverines. It was a very adrenaline-filled Saturday, which is great for someone working on his blood pressure. Uh, but I'm very glad that they did win, and it was a very big day for the Hogs. So I hope you're all doing well this morning. I won't. I won't belabor this point that Michigan won the game. We won't talk about it again in this video, I don't think, because we've got bigger fish to fry. We've got Disney, the, one of the biggest media companies in the world to talk about today. And this is a video title card from the last time we talked about them, Walt Disney Wild, where Disney was in a fight with Ron DeSantis' Florida over whether or not it should have self-governance status. That fight continued a number of steps. And we're going to talk about some of the things that Disney has disclosed to its investors about that fight, about the way it does business, that I think are pretty interesting. Before we do that, though, I do want to mention a few things, one of which is that, as co-counsel has reminded me this morning, today is Giving Tuesday, a nice kind of companion piece to the consumption and spending of Black Friday and Thanksgiving here in the United States. And she has the message to reshare the donation links for the hospital, which I have set to be sent to you in the bots. And I will add to the description after this video is done. Um, and also to point out that our, sh our shop is back with Christmas and holiday items, as well as charity items. Now, any money spent on these charity items from the charity page will go to our hospitals. And as my wife has said in this Twitter thread, uh, they've done a lot of good stuff with all of the wonderful donations you guys have given. They've provided new software for speech pathology and machines that gamify, which I think is very appropriate for us, reflexes and reactions to improve balance, vision, and upper body coordination at Chelsea. And your donations also <clears throat> excuse me, support the Neurosurgical Residency Research Fund at Ascension Novi, which is where my brain surgery took place earlier this year. I work closely with a resident during Rick's care, says co-counsel and is very grateful to her, happy to support them today. All charity shirts are available today and donations can be made via the shop as well if those links aren't working. So please do check those out. We are very, very thankful for you and for being able to give back to the hospitals in this way makes us very happy and you guys are all amazing for all of that. So thank you so, so much. We really, really appreciate it. I know it's been very important to my wife um, and to me certainly. So thank you so much and it, with respect to this channel, I want to mention that we are supported by viewers and listeners like you through the links in the description of this video at Playor and Patreon and memberships and Super Chats. 
I put these pages up not so much to sell memberships and super chats as to remind myself to look at them. And I can see a couple coming in right now. Um, so apologies for that a little bit early. But if you are interested in supporting videos like this one, which I haven't talked about any substance matter yet, but when we get to the end, this will make a little bit more sense. Please do consider those links and you can support specific episodes. And I would like to thank Falcus Vipus for supporting this specific episode of Virtual Legality. If none of those things interest you, just liking, subscribing, telling your friends that we're having these conversations, leaving a comment, hitting YouTube's buttons, wherever they may be. YouTube loves that and helps share our messages and our conversations around through the algorithm or otherwise. So please do that. Thank you so much. And let's talk about something of substance. So Virtual Legality is a show about talking about pop culture, cultural zeitgeist items, video gaming, and things like Disney and movies and television through the lens of legal understanding. And what we're looking at right now is a Form 10-K, which is an annual filing made by publicly traded companies in the United States. Publicly traded means that their shares are exchanged in secondary market transactions that don't involve the company itself between owners of its stock. And when that happens, our laws in the United States and other jurisdictions require companies of that sort to give certain information to the public so that those investors can know what's happening with the company. That's what these forms are. And they can be very dry. They can be very kind of rote and matter of fact. And so not a lot of people, I think, look in them too terribly closely. But oftentimes, from a legal perspective, from the lawyer's perspective, there's a lot of fun and interesting tidbits that are handled in these documents. Now, what you can see on your screen right now is actually the Securities and Exchange Commission Form 10K from Disney for the 2021 fiscal year. So this is a couple of years old, um, but we're going to look at this one and we're going to look at 2023 because in all honesty, 2022 is going to feature a lot of the changes that we're going to talk about in 2023, but that I didn't see discussed before and that I hadn't had reason to look at before. I'm not an investor in Walt Disney Company. None of this video should be taken as investment advice, of course. Um, but um, when we look at these things, you see them say bits and pieces about what their revenue is, how their assets are allocated, what you need to know about the company, including risk factors that you need to know about the company, because this is a legal document. So one of the things that a company like this is trying to do is trying to get out in front of stockholders that wind up being upset for some reason or another, usually because the stock price goes down. And so they try to get out in front of that by saying all the reasons why the stock could go down, why there could be problems with their business. They call those risk factors and they disclose them in things like these SEC filings. And so in 2021, we can see that they have a number of items that they want to talk about with respect to their business, including, of course, COVID-19 and what they call human capital. When they describe human capital, they, they include what they call their diversity, equity and inclusion objectives, their DEI objectives, which is a term I think a lot of you are familiar with online and their response to COVID-19 and then something they call social responsibility and community. So this is what they have to say about that. The Walt Disney Company's longstanding commitment to corporate social responsibility helps differentiate the company as an employer that supports talent acquisition and retention. This year, we refreshed our CSR strategy, that's the corporate social responsibility strategy, to connect it more closely with the company's mission and environmental and social issues relevant to our business and employees. So one thing I want to point out here is, as I've said a lot in virtual legality on this channel and in this space, is that these management officers, even the board, are fiduciaries of money that is not theirs, right? When you invest money in Walt Disney, not in those secondary market transactions I was talking about that lead to these kinds of disclosures, but when you buy directly from Disney, you give them money in exchange for a share of their company, and that money is not just the board or the CEO's 
to do with what they will. They have been given that money by you with the understanding that they will try to grow that money. And some people have issues with that whole structure, but that's a completely different conversation. What is the structure right now from a legal perspective is that those people are fiduciaries of your money and they have to try to make it grow. And so when you see references to things like environmental and social issues here in the 2021 disclosures, you see Walt Disney and its lawyers trying to do the right thing for those legal responsibilities by tying those specific issues to how it operates its business. So they say, okay, why do we care about social responsibility and community? Because we make movies and video games and television shows. We care about it because it helps us get employees, supports talent acquisition, and it helps our mission as a business, right? So they, they say those things. Our CSR priorities include diversity, equity, and inclusion, environmental stewardship and conservation, human capital management, operating responsibly, and giving back to our communities with a special focus on supporting children and families. Of course, Disney is a family and children focused company, which is one of the issues we're gonna talk about as part of this video. But this is again, two years ago. This is, I think, before Bob Iger would have had a chance to look at these documents. And this is what they went out with as their primary disclosure. Then we get to a little bit later in this document, I'm gonna to try to get to the parts that I'm interested in talking about. And as you can see, there's a lot to read through in these documents. Uh, we have a disclosure for, see if I can find my next highlight, in a timely fashion. It's a lot of pages. They disclose as a potential concern for their business productivity, misalignment with public and consumer tastes and preferences for entertainment, travel, and consumer products. And that that misalignment could negatively impact demand for our entertainment offerings and products as adversely affect the profitability of any of our businesses. And again, this is all happening before that fight with Florida. Misalignment with public and consumer tastes is, hey, we've, we're in the business to create entertainment, travel, and consumer products. This is a leisure company. This is what we want to sell people to feel happy about themselves. And if they disagree with what we've done in some fashion, that could hurt our business. And this is in 2021, acknowledged this way. It says, our business is create entertainment, travel, and consumer products whose success depends substantially on consumer tastes and preferences that change in often unpredictable ways. Now, this is a normal version of this disclosure, right? What they are saying is that we make things and they're new things, ideally, I know they make a lot of live action remakes, but ideally they're new things. And we don't know what people are gonna be into over the course of a five-year period that it takes us to make a movie. And so that could go away. We could get that wrong. We're trying not to, but we could. And so those are the things that could impact our business and we worry about them. That's a normal kind of disclosure. Consumer tastes and preferences impact among other items, revenue from advertising, affiliate fees, subscription fees, theatrical film receipts, the license of rights to other distributors, theme park admissions, hotel room charges and merchandise, food and beverage sales, sales of licensed consumer products or sales of our other consumer products and services. People could just stop liking us as a brand. And ordinarily you'd think, well, Disney is a beloved brand or they were certainly for a long period of time, certainly my youth and my family got to go to Disney and we were blessed in that way and enjoyed those trips a lot. It's one of the reasons that my family has been a fan of that brand for a long time. But when you get into these fights with Florida and you wind up having these conversations online, and, and there are a lot of people that want to talk about what they're saying in their movies or, or television shows or what political messages are, they're going to try to present. And we're not going to go into the details there. I don't really care as much about what they're putting in as the fact that they're putting it in. So this isn't a discussion of 
social justice or wokeness or whatever you might hear from other YouTubers or online on Twitter. I think this is a separate kind of question. And I, I talked about this a little bit when I did a post-mortem of No Way Home, which is a Sony movie, but it was guarded by Marvel, which is a Disney company. And one of the things I talked about in that post-mortem, and I think this goes through a lot of the Disney movies, is that I don't love a lot of the uh, kind of morality and messages that are put forth in Marvel movies and in Disney movies in general. And that isn't to say that they don't belong. It isn't to say that you can't advocate for a message that I don't like. It is to say when you are a child and family-focused company, it means that I can no longer just kind of say, all right, let's go watch the next Disney movie or the next Marvel movie because I think that you have issues with right and wrong and portraying certain things in your storylines. And so I have to, what I call pre-watch, everything that comes from your studio. When I have to do that, that adds a friction point and I wind up watching less Disney media than I otherwise would have. You throw on a Disney Plus that lets you watch whatever it is that they released a couple of months after it and pre-watching for no additional cost makes more sense than going and, and having theatrical box office experiences, which leads to things like the stock analysis for Disney, noticing that Wish, which came out this Thanksgiving weekend, did not gain the number one spot in the box office, but was in fact third. Disney's animated musical film Wish came in third among Thanksgiving weekend ticket sales, which is practically unheard of for a Disney Thanksgiving release. It's, it's the most kind of bettable spot that you can make on a box office is that Disney would kill it during Thanksgiving. Disney stock has been under an undue burden this year owing to company-specific problems, activist investor pressure, and the months-long writers and actors strikes. Having said that, better days lie ahead for Disney, says this analysis, as displayed in its robust quarter four fiscal year 23 results and subscriber growth. The company's cost-cutting initiatives are beginning to take shape. What is the future of Disney stock? Wall Street is cautiously optimistic about Disney stock trajectory. So you've got all these discussion points, but again, my point with Disney has always been, look, what you've done is you've taken a, a, a brand that I thought I could just essentially go and watch and not be concerned about. And you have made it into a brand that is more interested in some of the stuff we talked about in the earliest disclosure, the CSRs, uh, and made it kind of the highlight in a way that sometimes works for me, sometimes doesn't. And when it sometimes doesn't, I have to be cautious as a, as a parent about what it is that we ingest on a cultural basis in the Hogue household or outside of it. And so once you've made that kind of change, that friction point is important for parents. And I think that's come through in some of the box office. But more importantly, let's take a look at how they disclose some of the same things this year for the fiscal year ended September 30th, 2023. And before we do that, I did see a couple of super chats. I want to make sure I don't miss too much. Britt Cormier says, Michigan still has a football team. I thought we had gotten rid of them for the good of the country. Who knew they had kept them around? Hey, Britt, good to see you. Thank you so much for the super chat and for supporting the channel. Yes, we still have a Michigan football team, including without Connor Stallions, without our head football coach, without our linebackers coach, and a number of other things that happened. But we still won on Saturday, so I'm going to... I'm going to live with that warmth and I'm going to enjoy the Big Ten Championship game on Saturday. Hope you can enjoy it too. Calista, thank you so much for gifting Hoglaw memberships. That is so helpful to the channel and I really, really appreciate it. Nancy Joe, thank you for becoming a new member of the channel. I hope you love it. Britt, misalignment equals our customers are not happy about what we have done. We need to rethink our strategy. I, I think this is actually a little earlier for that. 
this is a, a more generalized disclosure in 2021. We're going to see what they change their language to. And then I think you'll have some things to say. Definitely. Maybe we should just try to make good entertainment and leave the message as critical drinker says out of it. I almost had to do that in a Scottish accent. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not on the side of the, the, the critical drinker and um, some of the other YouTubers of it all. Like, I don't think that it is as bad as they suggest. I think there's a lot of folks on YouTube and on, on media that like to make hay out of whatever is released. Um, and I like a lot of what the critical drinker has to say about critiques in general, but I think they can often be too negative, which again, reasonable minds can differ on that. But more importantly for me is that just really anything with respect to uh, the Disney brand is now a concern. And once it is a concern, it has to be pre-watched. Uh, and that leads to things like box office receipts being down, I believe. Uh, but thank you so much for the super chat and the very generous one. I really appreciate it. And I do think you will be interested in what we're about to see in the 2023 SEC filing. So if we go down to some of the places we were looking at before, we see a reduction in references to um, that, that, that CSI concept. And I think I've pulled up the wrong one or I pulled up the same one again. Let's see. Nope, I was just highlighting that they they use that same sustain they 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 moved it to sustainability and social impact. So let's look at 2023's reference. The company's long-standing commitments to sustainability and social impact helps differentiate the company as an employer. Our priorities include operating responsibly, investing in our people's development and employee experience, diversity, equity, and inclusion, environmental stewardship and conservation, and supporting our communities with a focus on supporting children and families. So similar to what we saw in the earlier document, but not identical. Let's see if we can find this again. These documents are too long. Lawyers, am I right? So this is where they talked about their CSR strategy. That got changed a little bit in the language here. Our approach seeks to connect these priorities with companies, business, and employees. So you see the same kind of reference to the fiduciary responsibilities the company has. But when we get down a little further, let's see if we can do this a little bit quicker for everybody we see that some of the language has changed. We face risks relating to misalignment with public and consumer tastes and preferences for entertainment, travel, and consumer products, which impact demand for our entertainment offerings and products and the profitability of any of our businesses. We have the same sentence at the top of this disclosure, but we have a new kind of second paragraph embedded in this one, which is interesting because a lot of the times these disclosures, these things are not really that changed, right? A lot of these are kind of boilerplate E. They're what you keep in because this is endemic to the way that you're operating your business is what you have to worry about as a business. And the lawyers aren't going to make a lot of changes here. So this suggests to me that there was actually a concern that we need to disclose this to investors. And why do you disclose to investors? Because you're worried that potentially investors could sue over this and you want to be able to sit in court and say, no, nah, we warned you about this particular issue. So they now finish this disclosure with further Consumer perceptions of our position, and note that language, we'll come back to it, on matters of public interest, including our efforts to achieve certain of our environmental and social goals, often differ wildly and present risks to our reputation and brands. Consumer tastes and preferences impact, among other items, all the things that we talked about in the prior disclosure. So this sentence is very interesting, right? Consumer perceptions of our positions, not our positions, Right. So there's there's one level of removal from the lawyers here, not not the positions that we have taken as Disney, but consumers perceptions of our positions, whether that's from the critical drinker or Mahler or 
the person on the street, their perceptions of our position will affect how people feel about our brand. And that includes our efforts to achieve certain of our environmental and social goals. Now, note this is a new sentence. It hasn't been vetted, you know, year after year after year. This doesn't strike me as connected to the business requirements of a fiduciary as some of the other things that you, you see referenced, right? It doesn't actually refer back to our functioning as a business. They tried to do that earlier by saying our environmental and social goals make us more attractive as an employer and gets us better talent, et cetera. And that might well be true, but here it's not tied to those specific goals. It just says our environmental and social goals might have consumers perceptions of our position on those things differing wildly and present risks to our reputation and brand. So that, not that they'll hate us, but that they're just so broad and people have such different feelings about these things that that could overall reduce our ability to sell our hotel rooms and our movie tickets and our television shows and everything else that we might otherwise license, which I think is a very interesting disclosure here because it does indicate to me a certain amount of self-awareness that they've stepped into the public light on certain things, perhaps a bit too much and crossed what you might call the, the Michael Jordan Republicans buy sneakers to threshold. And if you don't know that story, that's, that's basketball player Michael Jordan of the Chicago Bulls back in the day refusing to endorse, I think it was a North Carolina senator, maybe a, maybe a congressperson, uh, because as he put it, Republicans buy sneakers too, and he didn't want to be seen as a political figure. So that's been one of the operating principles of a lot of businesses and brands for a number of years. And Disney, with its fight against Ron DeSantis in Florida, kind of stepped over that line, maybe to appease its employees, maybe to seek more talented animation or what have you, but maybe isolated more customers than it thought it did and is now looking to potentially disclose that issue to investors and walk it back. And I say walk it back, not because we've seen Disney do many of those things at present, but first of all, acknowledging this from the legal perspective and putting it in legal documents that are investor facing is interesting in the first instance, but also you do have certain indications from folks like Chris Rufo, who I, I will note is an activist on this and has spoken against Disney's political positions, but that doesn't mean that their information on the things that happen at the Disney meeting should just be discounted. So they, Chris Rufo says, I have obtained video from returning Disney CEO Bob Iger's first town home with employees in which he signals that he will work to quiet things down politically and move towards neutrality in the culture war. Iger expressed regret that Disney engaged in the high profile fight against Governor DeSantis, which resulted in the state legislature stripping the company of its special administrative status. I was sorry to see us dragged into that battle. What's interesting about that from Iger's perspective is while he wasn't CEO at that time, his comments and some of the pressure that he put on Disney is part of what resulted in that particular fight, as you can see in that prior video on this channel. Uh, and then you have other political statements and you've got an article from Mr. Rufo. If you're interested in checking it out, it is linked in the description to this video. Uh, but overall, you've got a Disney that seems probably based on the reception to its movies and Disney Plus this year, which has not been great, uh, a little bit reticent to do what it has been doing for the past few years. Now, I think in general, when you talk about Q scores and brand recognition and trust and love of brands, uh, that it's going to take a little bit of time to build back up and they probably will miss out on a generation that overlaps my kids' generation of families that are just going to go and, and trust Disney. But 
in general, I don't recommend just trusting companies with anything, let alone your kids' education, well-being, or upbringing. So I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing for people to be aware of, but I do think that Disney is chastened by this. And unfortunately for them, they have been in a position with COVID and everything else where their bottom line has been hit perhaps more than most other companies. So I wanted to point this out because I thought it was interesting. And I, I think it's always good to check out what the company itself is saying, both in public venues, like the one we just looked at on Twitter, but also in legal venues like these SEC documents, because they did change their language from a couple of years ago. And they did change it last year, not to this exact language, but very similar to it. So I do think Disney is trying to walk it back. I think Bob Iger in general is trying to walk it back a little bit. And I'm interested in what you all think about that, how you feel about Disney overall, what you think about Disney these past couple of years, whether you are more on the, the critical drinker, uh, Britt Cormier side of things with Disney has been putting in messaging too much of late of a specific kind that is bad uh, for families and children or uh, on, on kind of more my perspective, which is that any message really is, is going to be an issue insofar as I don't really want the Little Mermaid teaching a specific message other than, you know, the be yourself kind of bromides of a of a Disney movie. And that gets a little bit concerning uh, when they go past that. And when you see things like Spider-Man or other films in the Disney milieu, not really seeming to have a great grasp on morality, right or wrong, liberty versus uh, totalitarianism and things of that nature. And I get concerned. So let me know in the comments, see if I can get these things up correctly. Again, I'm reminding myself to check the memberships and super chats here as we get to the end and thanking Falcus Vipus for sponsoring this video. I was anticipating a shorter, um, a shorter video today. So I hope that isn't too disappointing for anyone. I really appreciate all of you and I like having these conversations. So let's see what anybody has to say. All right. Lobster 11 having what is uh, a shorter way of saying what Disney means. Never let ideology get in the way of making money. That's very true. Kai Mellon says Disney has always put in a message, though. It made childhood interesting if you paid attention to it. I don't think there's anything wrong with fables having morality in them. I just think that we it's gotten away from generally acceptable things of heroism and freedom and, and, and knowledge of oneself and, and things of that nature and gotten more towards the issues I had with Spider-Man, which I framed earlier in the video, were ones related to kind of consent and what a hero does and is and things that just aren't really addressed properly by a lot of movies now. But Disney having so many media properties in so many kind of child or, or young adult facing intellectual properties means that they have a, a kind of pole position to forming people's understandings of morality and right and wrong in a way that I think we have to be cautious of. And, and we could talk about whether or not it's appropriate for Disney to have that position or not. But I think that overall, if they are going to have that position, they should be a little bit more general in the messaging that they are presenting. Dan Boy says, every piece of media is inherently painted in the ideology of its creator. That said, Disney has been pushing agendas far too strongly in a way that feels disingenuous. Yeah, and I, I love media, and I have said in the past, I don't really have a problem, certainly as an adult, we can talk about families and children in, in a different light as part of Disney discussion. I don't really have a problem with you delivering whatever 
message you want to deliver as part of a cogent, cohesive world building in your story. What I tend to have a problem with is taking something that is not specifically ideological and then layering on things that are of interest or import in the real world in a completely uh, obvious and artificial way. I think it ruins storytelling. I think it makes it less interesting to actually un understand and enjoy. And I do think that there's an issue that Disney has and other media makers have in the present day with doing that, right? I think you can look at Star Wars Return of the Jedi and say, okay, it's a Vietnam allegory and the Ewoks are the Vietnamese and the US is the empire. And that's interesting, but it's not a direct layer on of what the US does and the Death Star and everything else, and or that the Ewoks are actually legitimate representations of uh, Vietnam citizens. It's just a concept of, isn't it interesting to think about a big empire fighting a more indigenous force and what advantages that force has, right? I think you can take bits and pieces of history and everybody that makes something is going to be informed by what they think about their real world, but you don't just layer it on. And I think layering it on is what we've seen more and more in, in the present day. And I don't think that's a great thing for media. Stephanie says, Little Mermaid isn't be yourself. It's change everything you are to get a guy. Uh, well, uh, I'd have to really think about Little Mermaid. I thought it was fight a sea witch, no? Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't pretend that Little Mermaid isn't change everything about yourself to get a guy a little bit. I think it also has something to say about dads and daughters and understanding of kids that, that works well from the adult side of things. Um, but it's a fair cop, Stephanie. Riketsu86, member for 17 months. Thank you, thank you so much for being a member of the channel for so long. I really appreciate it, Riketsu. Gone with the Gale says, I totally agree. People want Disney to be for escapism, not messages about other ideology. I don't really care if it matches my ideology completely. I just don't want to have to worry about what it is you're trying to put into your movies. Dookie 12 says, Disney would still have a content quality problem even without the partisan ideology. I mean, I think it's a very interesting kind of white paper theoretical discussion that I've been thinking about for a number of years, especially after what happened with Star Wars, and is the inclusion of ideology, what you heard referenced as the message, necessarily deleterious to the functioning of a good story? And I think that it is. So I think the quality might increase if you weren't trying to just layer on real world messaging all the time. 8HP says Disney is currently going for quantity, not quality. Thank you so much for the super chat, HP. I think that's part of the problem with Disney Plus, right? They're still trying to work on what that balance is. I do think that they essentially despecialed Marvel and Star Wars in a way that they are regretting right now because it used to be a big time, huge worldwide event when the Star Wars movie released. And now there's just so much kind of middling Star Wars content that it's not as exciting. I think that goes along with Marvel, and I think they're going to work on what Disney Plus means for them. I'm not sure it was a great idea for the value of their vault of intellectual property, to be honest. And Mrs. Hoglaw is in the chat, thanking you all for supporting our Given Tuesday efforts. Thank you so much, honey, and thank you for organizing that and putting the Twitter thread out there. I really appreciate it, and I am so, so thankful that we have such a generous community that is able to help out our hospitals that really did save my life and got me to where I am today, which isn't perfect, but there, there may never ever be perfect, but I am a lot closer now than I was at the start of the year, certainly when I was on a ventilator, missing 
a Michigan football game that I'm told ended in a loss, but I still don't believe it exists. Uh, thank you, everybody, for making those donations. I really, really appreciate it. Kelly says, is Doctor Who now showing on Disney Plus? I believe Disney Plus has the international distribution rights to Doctor Who. I think I saw David Tennant on the front screen of Disney Plus the other day. Traveling Scienceman asks, do you know if they still send out physical investor packets or is it all digital now? It depends on the company. Um, when I was briefly invested in electronic arts, they were sending me physical packages, but it does depend on the company. And I think most would prefer to only send out digital if they can. And mostly they put that in the kind of environmental sustainability basket. Hogla, I'm reminded of a previous VL Live you did about IGN misquoting Tim Sweeney, who was advocating for companies separating their product from political stances. Uh, it sounds like me. And I do think that IGN is one of those in the video game spot that, that tends to talk about wanting companies and wanting developers to take on political ideologies and stances, whatever they agree with. And I think the danger there is always one, that if you step out of line from agreement with whatever the zeitgeist says at a publication that you can't actually know in advance, you want you can wind up hurting yourself instead of helping yourself. And two, that if people don't trust you to essentially just be trying to make a good game or good story first and foremost, then they tend to evaluate what it is that you're doing from the perspective of partisan propaganda. And I think that's bad for basically all media. Calista says, Kelly, it will be from the current specials forwards for the Doctor Who distributed by Disney+. Plus." Absolutely. Prototopics, David Grace. Rick, we should do a media review for 2023. Oh, man, I, I like a lot of stuff that came out this year, but I dislike a lot of stuff as well. I'm not sure. Perhaps, David. Uh, I, I don't want anybody to get upset about our takes on things that they like, but there has been a lot of disappointments this year to go with a lot of great stuff coming, especially in the video game landscape. HP, I think in general, people are sick of feeling like escapist media is preaching at them. And this has been happening more and more on both sides of the line. Yeah, I, I think I think I agree with that. I think that there's a concern that you're going to get into a movie that's ostensibly about something ridiculous, aliens invading or something else. And it winds up with a whole sequence in the second act talking to you about the politics of the day, whatever those might be in the day that they are made. And it's not a great feeling. It's not it's not useful to have a story that just separates out and says, let's talk to you now about what's happening in your life. That's not that's not great for world building. That's not great for feeling like you're actually watching a story. Michelle, Mama Bet's 100. My daughter and her friends preview all Disney for their five and six-year-olds these last few years. I pre-watch basically everything. Um, but I feel like I, I didn't have to as much prior to the last little sequence from Disney. Okay. Judy says, reasonable minds can differ. I would vote for the review with Prototopics and Hogla. Yeah, I mean, I think it might be fun. I don't know that I've seen enough actually this year because I was in rehabilitation and, and, and driving around a lot more than I usually do, but I can definitely talk about video games. And I do think we're going to have in this space a best of the year in games with my brother like we've had the last couple of years. So if you're interested in that, I think that will be happening in December. Don't want to guarantee it because I never know with his schedule, but I think we're going to try to do that. And certainly it would be fun to have a media review with David. He, he watches everything as best I can tell. He certainly tweets about a lot um, and uh, has strong feelings. So I think it would be a fun video. Uh, I just don't know whether we can do it or not. We'll see. 
All right. I think I've caught all the super chats. Maybe. Let's make sure. Okay. I think I'm missing a, a Brit and an Akrugi. All right. Akrugi, thank you so much for gifting those Hogla memberships. Again, I really appreciate it. And I cannot say how much it is helpful, especially in 2023 with everything that has happened this year to get that kind of support for these conversations. I'm so, so thankful. And Britt, thank you so much for, again, another super chat. When you insert modern day sensibilities used loosely into even historical works, I have an issue. Hard to have diverse casts when you're dealing with 980 England. No need to make it different to fit into modern thinking. I mean, that might be well true, right? And I think you can talk about casting in that way as part of this story, right? You saw the references to DEI in the Disney disclosures and, and you see a general push to have more diverse offerings in these movies and these television shows. And that can lead to things that are a little bit odd, like a, a movie about uh, 980 England or what have you with a cast that maybe doesn't make sense for what the actual demographics of the time were. I don't think personally that that steps me out of the storylines too much. You know, I've, I've watched Hamilton. I've watched Bridgerton. I don't think that that bugs me as much as it might some, but it can say that there are concerns that are outside of telling the most cohesive story that we can within the world that we're building. And that can be symptomatic of other issues that I have overall with modern drama or just media. Chinchilla says, Hogla, ideological issues go over the heads of a lot of international audiences. The bigger problem is that the movies are bad now. Yeah, and I think that's a part of the problem, right? When you talk about things that aren't actually interesting to your story and your characters and the world that you've set up, that might go over the heads of international audiences and it will go over the heads of audiences in a few years from now, right? It also sets a timer on what the actual usefulness of those talking points is in the movies and television shows themselves. But it takes time out of building character and setting up drama and doing the normal things that you do to actually have a story. And so I do think you wind up with, quote unquote, movies are bad now more than they really need to be. I don't think everybody forgot how to write good stories all at once. I think that you've got reasons why storylines seem so much worse than they otherwise have. Jesus Rubio or Jesus Rubio, a major issue I have with Disney movies is that the conflict in many of the movie, the conflict in many of the movies arise between the parents and their children, and the parents are typically unreasonable and in the wrong. That does happen a lot, although my kids would point out, certainly even in the Disney Renaissance, that for the most part, they avoid that problem because they kill off the parents very early. My daughters have a joke about which parent is going to die uh, very quickly in a Disney movie, and that does happen a lot. But yes, I do think, much like sitcoms, get into a rut when they say one or the other spouse is always in the right and always in the wrong. And it tends to make one of their characters a cartoon. Disney movies do have a tendency to take the kid's side in a kind of Disney channel environment uh, to appeal to the kids in a way that maybe doesn't make sense for the overall messaging that should be happening and, and tends to cast parents as villains a little bit more often than I'm comfortable with. But again, I'm not sure that's part of the kind of, message or social responsibility storyline as much as it is about Disney being caught up in other things besides telling good and reasonable stories within the world that they are setting up. MZ says, we don't have Disney Plus and I don't think it's worth the price now that with the kiddos getting older. Love Doctor Who though. Yeah, I, I've enjoyed a lot of Doctor Who. I think I stopped watching with the Matt Smith era. 
Um, and so I don't even know where things might be with respect to Doctor Who. But the good part about that series is that you can generally jump in wherever you want. Um, and I haven't seen the new uh, 60th anniversary special, which I think was live on Disney Plus this past weekend. So I can't speak to it. But I I do have hope for David Tennant being back in the Doctor Who seat for at least a little while. Akaruki says, I don't mind products using settings with controversial ideology, but it has to be the setting, not the central message. I just mean that when you build a world and you want to say something about, I mean, I don't even care, uh, socialism being super effective or capitalism being super effective or corporations being a great thing or being a terrible thing. If you've built your world to, to lead to those points and then come naturally out of the story that you're telling and the characters are the first focus, then I'm okay with that. That's a good movie. That's a good television show. That's a good video game. It doesn't matter if whatever story you were telling doesn't match up with my philosophy or how I feel about the way things would work in the real world. If you did your homework, then I'm going to think that's a good story. I think the problem that we have when you have kind of discussions of modern life in a Disney movie that doesn't really care about setting up the world to have those discussions is that it comes out as a polemic. It comes out as propaganda in the middle of a movie. It doesn't fit and it makes you feel bad or worried about whatever else is going to happen because they don't care about their character and they don't care about their story anymore. So I do think that's an issue. Here's Dad Hogue popping in. I'm sorry that this generation won't get to see the Walt Disney Company that I was lucky enough to grow up with. A trip to Disney World was amazing. It inspired me and my family. Now it's just an amusement park. I, I am certainly a part of that, me and my family. And so, yes, Walt Disney World, especially Epcot, was one of my favorite places on earth when I was young. And I really enjoyed going into the pavilions and seeing essentially the optimistic path for the future and what mankind could achieve with technology and, and working together and all these things that are emblematic of that specific time for the Walt Disney Company and Walt Disney World specifically. And I don't think that really exists anymore. Epcot, if you don't follow Walt Disney World and who can blame you, has transitioned primarily into an intellectual property vehicle. Everything is connected to a movie. The universe of energy, which was about how we get energy that fuels our society, is now a Guardians of the Galaxy ride, for instance. That kind of thing has happened at Epcot. And I'm bummed by it too. We've had other videos on this channel to talk about Disney pricing itself out of family and and those those essentially being positions that are going to reap the opposite of reward sometime in the future when kids that were my age don't have that connectedness and love of the Disney brands that I did growing up. So definitely, Dad, thank you for the super chat. I really appreciate it. I hope you're having a wonderful vacation. Her Hen House Bath Company says, Hey, Dad Hogue, I miss the wonderful world of Disney that used to come on Saturday mornings. Yep. I do think there's greatness in the internet, but the bifurcation of culture is both a pro and a con, right? We get all of these streaming solutions. We get all these different things to watch whenever we want to watch them. And I noticed this with my own kids. There isn't that kind of shared experience or connectedness with whatever was on TV or what we saw over the weekend that there was when I was growing up. Some of that is to the good, right? You get to watch and, and consume more of what you're specifically interested in. You don't have to wait for it to come on and watch it with commercials and all of that. But you do have some of that lack of sharedness uh, in environment and culture that I think is ultimately going to have long-term ramifications in the next couple of decades. Sarah does point out to me a good point. There was a writer's strike too. I've never been a Disney fan, but now all media are a mix of boring content and lame messaging. 
I tend to agree. I don't think it's all media. I do think there are things to be interested in that are out there. They tend to be a little bit more auteur driven and people that have kind of cachet. Um, I was just watching Oppenheimer last night and I didn't love it the first time. I liked it quite a bit more the second time, but it's clear that while it does talk about politics, obviously in the concept of a uh, biographical picture, uh, it doesn't really adapt or adopt any given feeling towards those politics um, outside of nuclear war is bad. Spoiler alert. Uh, and so I think those kinds of things can still happen, but maybe a little bit more outside the studio system. So we'll see. My hope is, as always, for all of these companies to create great content that I love because it enriches my life and makes me happy. So I'm not against any of these folks. I just want to see them right the ship if they're having trouble getting things done that do those things, make me happy and enrich my life. And I think Marvel's on the wrong path. I think Star Wars is on the wrong path. And I'm hopeful that Disney can write the ship there. Is that all about messaging? I would argue that it's not all about messaging, but it is a part of the story. Mama Bet says, Dad Hogue, I agree. I found myself mentally apologizing to Walt Disney the other day after I saw a movie preview and was just sad. Oh, no. Yeah, I I think it's it, it's it's hard to have those separations. I, I really remember having that happened to me with respect to star Wars and waking up the next day and being like, I don't, I don't think I'm a fan of the star Wars brand anymore, which was part of who I was. And I looked around my office and I looked around my space and saw so much star Wars stuff. And it was just very sad making on the day. Joshua B says, I respectfully disagree that politics are Disney's financial issue. Look at the films that are dominating wish at the box office. Hunger Games and Napoleon are deeply political by nature. Hunger Games is political in the way that I suggested, which is to say that its world is political. It is set up to say things about its own world that can apply to our world, but isn't easily layered onto a direct uh, analogy to our world. And I think that works. I haven't seen Napoleon. I haven't seen the current Hunger Games, by the way. Uh, but I, I suspect that it's Napoleon is talking about the specifics of Napoleon's life. And Ridley Scott has always been political adjacent in what he creates. But I think there is a difference. There's an important difference between a story that can be read politically and a story that exists and has a political message for our current world embedded in it. Kai Mellon says, hey, I don't know if the idiot parents thing is all that new. Thinking about the old parent trap, Mary Poppins, absentee parents, et cetera, where the kids have to do something to get the parents back on track. I think certainly when you're making kids and, and family focused fair, you do have the kids taking on a more uh, protagonistic role, which is going to put them against some opposition. That's often going to be the parents in their lives, right? This is what I say about when we talk about things like cyberpunk and people say, hey, you're a corporate lawyer. How can you be okay with all this media representing corporations as evil or otherwise killing everything in their, in, in the world, et cetera, because I think it's an interesting story. I think it's an interesting world to examine. And when you are setting up a story, it's easy for me to say, okay, what are the institutions that could exist that could present this kind of problem? Sure. You have nation states. That's what we have right now, but could corporations sometimes be that powerful in the future? I think that's a perfectly easy way to, to look at what the future could hold for us as a people. And I don't have any problem with people making that assumption even if I don't personally think that Cyberpunk 2077 is the future of mankind, I still think it is a possible future and they set up why it exists the way it exists. I'm interested in that kind of story. 
Traveling Science Man asks, does Oppenheimer go into his fascination with Hinduism? If not, it's missing a lot of the man. Uh, I think you will find the reference to Hinduism distracting, actually. I think uh, Christopher Nolan's perhaps biggest misstep in the movie is how they deliver the Destroyer of Worlds line and why it comes to Oppenheimer when it does. Um, so, no, I would say it doesn't really talk about Hinduism so much. It talks a lot about his love of New Mexico. Uh, but I do like the movie overall. Brick Cormier says, negative as I am to Disney, I do not want them to fail. I want them to return to the greatness that I have of my younger years. I also want them to give up a few IPs so that we do not have one entertainment company to rule them all. And I think that's a fair conception. I think when people come into my videos regarding Microsoft and Activision and say, Rick, are you happy with this consolidation? I say, I'm happy with folks investing in the video game industry and I'm happy with it being allowed because I don't think it creates a monopolistic environment. But I'm as concerned as anyone that if you get too many intellectual properties under one roof, you wind up with just kind of the cultural mores and let's, let's face it, quirks of a single person or single board. And whether or not you like that person or board, that's going to get to be a vanilla feeling product overall. And I'd rather have more variety in my life. I preferred Lucasfilm being out there being weird and George Lucasy than I do under Disney because you can feel the Disneyfication of Star Wars and even Indiana Jones. So that does happen regardless. So I, I agree with you that it feels a little bit like they should release some of their intellectual property so that we don't just have one feeling or taste, but I don't think they're going to do that to be frank. So we'll try to work with what we've got. <laughs> Paul asks, unrelated, would you look at the dbrand copyright case against Casetify? I just want to ask about that. I, I, I did look at it briefly, um, but I haven't looked at it enough to comment on right here. So perhaps I will look at it again further. Sarah P, I used to be excited for new Star Wars content. Now I ignore a lot of it. It's not exciting anymore. That's the truth. Henhouse Bathco says the book talked about his love of New Mexico a lot. The book being American Prometheus on which Christopher Nolan based Oppenheimer. So that makes sense. HP says, as someone who has a master's in non-proliferation, Oppenheimer disappointed me. I will say, I think there are things to be disappointed about in Oppenheimer. Christopher Nolan is clearly more interested in kind of creating a nested political thriller in Oppenheimer and not so interested in nuclear proliferation, nuclear war overall. He has a couple of beats that he hits that pretty hard with but not as an overall concept about Oppenheimer. And I think that that's, that may be a wrong direction for the movie. I think what wound up being the final product is a good one, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think it's particularly good at talking about, frankly, either the Manhattan product uh, project or the creation of the atomic bomb or uh, what nuclear war means to the geopolitical system. It's, it's more interested in kind of looking at Robert Oppenheimer psychologically, I would say. So with traveling science been saying, yeah, then as a scientist, I'm going to pass the movie sounds more like a Manhattan project than a bio of a film a bio of him. I think it's actually more of a bio of him than a Man Manhattan project movie to its detriment. I think it, the more interesting stuff that it covers is how the project was organized and how a project like that can be completed and the stuff with him as a person is perhaps a little bit a little bit less involved than it should be if you're just going to have what amounts to a character study. But I do like the movie. I will recommend it. 
Chris Mullen says, if Disney messes with Doctor Who at all, I will completely disown them and move on. That will be the last straw for me. I don't know whether Disney will have a lot of impact on Doctor Who. The fact that they have the international distribution rights means that they're at the table. They're on the phone call when they talk about what Doctor Who is going to be, but they probably aren't controlling it. Akaruki says, off topic, but Ascension's page lets me choose correct country, Australia, but makes me choose from the U.S. states. I am sorry about that. Yes, certainly when we worked with the hospitals, a lot of them have things in place to help facilitate donations, but aren't entirely perfect on the tech side. So I apologize in advance for any problems you might have with any of that. Calista says, Disney just has distribution rights. I think BBC still has control. Yeah, I think BBC is the producer. So I think they are, they still get to pick, but when you have a mega contract for distribution rights, they still get a phone call. They still get a seat at the table. That's the lawyer in me talking on that. It doesn't mean that they control things, but it does mean that they can influence them. GamerDuckO says, I can't wait to see Doctor Who in Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, see, so that license isn't going to allow Doctor Who in Kingdom Hearts. One wouldn't think. Kingdom Hearts being a Disney and Square Enix project with Disney licensing its properties to Square... Disney doesn't have the rights to license from Doctor Who to Square. They only have the right to essentially put those programs on Disney+. Plus. So apologies, you're not going to see Doctor Who in Kingdom Hearts anytime soon. All right, folks, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. I'm so happy that so many people got to talk about these things and that Disney still continues to be important and interesting to people's lives because I want them to be. I've enjoyed them my whole life, but I do think they're going in an interesting direction and I do think they're trying to wheel back from that direction a little bit. So folks, if you like this video, like subscribe to this content, definitely buy some of the charity stuff. All that money is going to go to the hospitals. You can feel good about it because it's all going to go to folks that are in as bad or worse of a situation than I was earlier this year. And I am so thankful for all of you and for this wonderful community. And I will see you on the next episode of Virtual Legality or Hangouts and Headlines. Thank you so much, everybody. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.